Welcome back to the Just Wondering podcast. In this show, we ask the childlike questions you didn't get a chance to have answered before growing up. The weird questions that come to mind. The, nah, never mind, it's a stupid question kind of questions. Today's episode is the second part of an interview I did with my friend RJ Risueño on what it's like being gay. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode, I'd love it if you check it out. There was a lot in there that helped me understand a community that is still foreign to me in a lot of ways, and maybe you'll pick up on an insight or two as well. I hope you enjoy today's episode and find it insightful. And now, without further ado, here's the conclusion of my interview with RJ. To kind of switch gears a little bit. um, Yeah. So I know of people, and I think we've talked about this a little bit, but I know of people that have, I mean, you, you said that your plan growing up was that even though you were attracted to men, that you still plan on marrying a woman, having kids, and living in, mm-hmm. in that sort of traditional role, even though your circumstances mm-hmm. were anything but traditional. Um, and I know of mm-hmm. people who have um, who have been married and have ha- had kids all before coming out. And mm-hmm. at least I, I think I know people that have been attracted to um, members of the opposite sex as well, and then later on come out as gay. Um, mm-hmm. Do you... Th- I don't know. Do you just chalk all of that up as like it was some sort of persistent um, like faking or self-denial or suppression? Or do you think that that kind of, I guess, fluidity happens and, and does it happen often kind of thing that you really can be attracted to one gender and only one gender and you're, you're, uh, you marry that gender, you have kids with that gender, and then later on it changes and then you're only attracted to, you know, the other gender, um, or, or I guess your, your same gender. Does, is that something that can happen? Yeah, no, or I, just yeah. Depressed or, I, you know, both I'm going to, I'm going to answer with, I'm going to choose two of the options of the ones that you presented. Number one, I do wholeheartedly believe in, um, sexual fluidity in the sense that, you know, it's not like this binary, either I'm straight or I'm gay but I do think that there is this um, more of like this continuum of, you know, I mean, that's, that's where we get bisexuality. And I have, right. I have, you know, amazing friends who are bisexual. One I think of in particular um, who she is married to this beautiful man. She is a beautiful child and, and she identifies as, as bisexual and that's a part of her identity, but she's chosen to marry a man and yeah. I applaud her for that. And, you know, and, and that's, like, and that, that's the life that she's chosen. And, and I know that she gets pushed back from it. You know, people ask her, well, why does it, why do you even come out as bisexual if you're married to a man? But that's part of her identity. And mm-hmm. so I definitely, I see that and I see people succeed with it. And I love that friend. Um, but then I also see people who, for them, and this is again, coming from my experience as being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that their their affiliation to their religion and their spiritual beliefs are stronger than their than like I guess like their desire to be with someone of the same gender. Yeah. Um. So and and I've heard them say that and I and I've sat through those discussions with them because I've had to learn to become accepting of that because there've been times where I've been angry and I I felt like oh they're denying who they are and I mean like it's hard because I've experienced so much joy coming out of the closet and living as an openly gay man and I feel like 
like, I just feel like, you know, why don't you just do it? Why don't you just come out of the closet and just, you know, live your truth. But for them, you know, their truth is sticking with their religious beliefs and, and just living that way. So, you know, I just, I, I respect, I respect both of them. And, and it just reminds me the complexities of life and how lucky we are to, to find people that love us. And if, you know, and if they can make it through, they can make it through. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely see both. So with the, the concept of, of gender fluidity, right. And with that being a Mm -hmm. thing, um, and maybe this is, this is too personal. Obviously you you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, do you ever, I don't mind. Like, do you ever think that that could happen to you, that you could eventually become attracted to women? You know, as I dated my, um, my ex-girlfriend, um, it was, I, uh, it was, it was an interesting experience because I truly believe she and I could make it work yeah. in a marriage, even though I identified, um, at that time as, um, as same gender attractive. Like I really, I felt like I could make it work. Like that was the life that I wanted to, um, to live. And so even though I, I like, now I, I'm I'm wholeheartedly gay, but you know there was a part of me that that wanted to make it that wanted to make it work, and that just really saw my happiness there. But you know, comparing the two, since I've you know I dated women, and I've um, I've I've I'm currently you know dating a man. Like I see that I I could not be with a woman again in, in my lifetime. That's just that's yeah. not my that's not where my happiness is, but. And, and that's another reason why I'm kind of, you know, like I really respect people who who can be with another gender. And that's why, you know, again, I, I support that that sexual fluidity. But yeah, I, I couldn't marry a woman. Gotcha. And you don't think that could ever change for you? Oh, yeah. Sorry, that was the question. Um, no, honestly, no. I, I really don't think so. I really like guys. Gotcha. Which is good. <laughs> I'm very happy with, with dating men. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I guess I, I guess in my mind, yeah. when you, you mentioned that it's something that can change, I just was curious if it is something that you could see changing for yourself. Yeah. And, and like, I, you know, I think of, I think of another um, bisexual um, relative that I have. And, and she was married to a woman and then she divorced that woman and married an amazing man. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and that relationship ended as well. And she's with another amazing woman. And so, you know, like I see that with people and, and I just, you know, realized, okay, like, you know, it definitely happens for people. And, and, you know, it just, it reinforces the idea that, um, you know, it's not like we have one person on earth that's meant for us and we can yeah. make it work with, with those we feel most comfortable with. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the concept of attraction um, versus love or being in love um, and, and kind of how you experience that. Because I think um, there are certain things both physically, but also emotionally, spiritually, uh, Mm -hmm. mentally that attract me to my wife. And that also just attract Mm -hmm. me in general to, women right and uh, and that mm-hmm. make me I, I suppose a heterosexual man um i guess are there are there certain things that come to mind that differ with how you love men that would differ with how i love women and it's okay if not i'm just curious if if there are no that's i've honestly never been asked that and my, and that's why i 
that was one of the questions that I didn't really think much about because I wanted it to be more um, just like from the heart and from my own experience. Yeah. And my immediate response was no, that, that, you know, the dating again, like just going back to my own personal experience of, of, um, of dating Lanny versus now, um, you know, dating my boyfriend, Mark, um, it's, it was very similar. I mean, you know, you, you meet them and you hit it off. You, you know, you realize what things you have in common, what things you have, you, you don't have in common. You find yourself talking for a long time. There's, there's clearly that spark. And then as, yeah. as time goes on, like, you know, of course there's also physical attraction, you know, and you think the other person's cute. There's the, you know, the butterflies, the nerves about the dates and just like trying yeah. to figure all of that out. Like for me, I would say, um, I would say, you know, you have to navigate the, the, the same, the same waters. But again, like I said before, the, the one difference with, with two people, two gays, two gay men dating each other, a lot of times you have that added difficulty of, you know, is your family affirming or are they not? Yeah. Like, where are you in your coming out process? Where are you with, with accepting who you are? Where, like, how's all that going? And, and so that's just one aspect, um, that's that's different to it but i think that i mean one perk of of dating people of the same gender dating someone of the same gender is like we can share clothes like i think that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one thing that works great like yeah i mean i suppose you'd really still have to be clothes, the same but... size like even, even yeah if oh I, yeah I yeah where um i guess curl clothes i I wouldn't fit in my wife's pants. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure yeah. A bit that's true. Yeah. Whereas Mark and I, Mark and I are very, uh, we're pretty much the same height and, not, and all that going for us. <laughs> so, uh, I didn't even think about like, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like, you know, maybe it's a little bit, um, easier to an extent because, you know, it's not like we're dealing with male, female differences because I do feel like males and females, like, like, like straight men and, and yeah. like, don't really understand women. You know, and so I feel like I feel like maybe like that's one benefit of dating um, another guy is like, you know, I, I feel like I can under like not like I understand everything. Mark's going to listen to this and laugh because, you know, we, we have our own things that we have to work through. But yeah. it's not like I'm trying to like I'm, I feel like I had kind of an advantage on understanding his language, I suppose you know, how sense. he communicates. Yeah, um, because, yeah, I can just relate to it as as a gay man as well. Yeah. I, I suppose that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with, uh, with communication gaps and whatnot. Um, because you know, I, I have communication gaps between me and my wife because we have different experiences, not just in general, but also like her being a woman and me being a man, we just have different ways of communicating. But I guess, I guess, you know, you having communication gaps with most men doesn't necessarily apply to having a communication gap with your partner or, you know, your boyfriend and whatnot. Um, even though I'm sure, I'm sure there's still some just because everybody has communication gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. It's, it's, it's not, it's not all it's, yeah, we're doing good though. But, um, also like, I mean, I've only Mark and I have been dating for like a month and a half or so. So, I mean, you know, we're still, we're still pretty new. So, I mean, we're still like just trying to, to make things work, but I, I will say one thing, Jansen, um, Mark and I have the same religious background. Oh yeah. Which I do think has made it easier. Um his his family is still active in, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so is my family. Like Mark and I both serve missions for our church, like all of that. So I think like that has made it easier because like we understand both of our backgrounds. 
Yeah. You know, I think that, um, I think that's huge for any relationship is having similar spiritual views and religious views. You know, I, I know yeah. it can work, you know what I mean? Cause I know people that have, yeah. you know, have spouses and whatnot that have different religious views and whatnot, but I think it's, it's a huge one. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, it was a huge connecting point and it's still something that my wife and I have in common is, is our religious views, you know? So I think it can work. Yeah. It just, when you come to a, the table with very similar values that have been ingrained um, due to your religious background. I think that's such a huge thing in your relationship, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, it's a, yeah. Cause I, I mean, I've dated men that weren't raised Mormon and I think like that caused, to, I mean, I, I mean, not that it was a deal breaker, but it was still difficult to explain, you know, to have to explain all of, you know, the, the struggles that I was going through and why I was going through them. But I don't even know. Yeah. That, that's been good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's interesting that, that we bring that value set up because I think, you know, I, I think this is part of what makes my relationship with my wife um, unique, but it's also, I think, reinforces not just that I love her, but how I love her. And that is kind of mm-hmm. the gender roles we grew up with, kind of our, our value sets and whatnot. Um, so like in, in a traditional family and, and, you know, with traditional values, the father is a little bit or the husband is a little bit more stoic a little bit um more of like a protector figure um you know my wife's a stay-at-home mom and a homemaker and i'm in the business world and and you know working to be the breadwinner and whatnot and that's kind of the i mean those are the roles we've chosen Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm always open to them changing if you know cindy decides she wants to go back to work and you know i just decide to and and i i take a part-time job instead of a full-time job or I be a complete homemaker and she goes back into the workforce like I'm okay with that but I think kind of those roles that we've assumed have also reinforced the way I love her if that makes sense that she is the person I want to provide for she's the person I want to protect and and whatnot and uh and so I know that's different for everyone but I think for me that kind of influences how I how I love her and and how we express love to each other, you know, that I try and make a very safe place, a very safe home. And that's part of how I express my love for her. And, you know, I bring home the bacon, so to speak, and that's how I express my love to her um, and whatnot. Do you have similar, I guess it was, have you, um, whether it's with Mark or with other partners that you've had, have you outlined certain roles? Is that something that you do in a gay relationship? You know, that's a really good question. And I think um, that that's another different part of, you know, roles within um, with within a gay relationship. I, I think that there are aspects that I of general that I pick up from. I think it's like maybe one cool thing about being gay is I think that there are aspects of like of my both of my mom and my dad that I picked up into my relationship, which I'm sure you can probably say the same for straight people. But, you know, um, Mark and I are both in school and so it's really just like I mean we're just supporting each other and we're just trying to like help each other get through what we do and and maybe you know one one positive thing another another positive thing about being gay is is we learn a lot of resilience I I attribute a lot to the discrimination bullying being raised in um as well yes but yes yes and this will be a good um, prelude to that because a lot of gays, I feel like, are, are very resilient and we're very um, we're we're very disciplined in, in our work. Yeah. And so Mark and I are very involved um, with 
with our schooling and, and we both are willing to pull late nights to work on stuff. He's in med school and I am doing some work with, with the community and getting ready for, for a job in the coming months. So I think like, I definitely think that that's um, just, that's one way that, that we can still support each other. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, and I think that that's, um, that's one thing that has been really rewarding about dating men is, it's reminded me that it's not all about hypersexuality, which right. I feel like is is kind of like brainwashed into from like straight society into like gay kids. This is where all like all they talk about is like, you know, the hypersexuality and, and sex and it's all about sex and like that's that's the only reason why gays are like they they just base everything off of sex. But I I've come to realize as I've come out like we just want relationships just like you do we want that happiness we want that support we don't want to live alone and we just want to be ourselves and i think that that's been um yeah that's that's definitely been one of the most rewarding and most like humanizing aspects of um of being gay is like you know what i'm i'm human just as much as as a straight person is dang it but yeah yeah well like you said it's hard to kind of it it's hard to think of it as anything but a, a change in sexuality and a hyper focus on sexuality when you know in the term we use homosexuality sex is in there you know what i mean and so a different yeah. term like you mentioned would would uh might change that mentality what was the term you and, used no, i always yes, forget it yes homo is what walt odette's um termed in his in his book and um his book is called out of the shadows reimagining gay men's lives if anyone's listening to it i highly recommend the book you can get it on amazon and um that term refers to um just like this emotional connection to um to someone of, of the same gender and so that that reinforces that it's not just this hypersexual hypersexuality, but just that we want that connection in general. Right, that makes sense. Now you, um, I mean, I assume you still want kids at some point in time. Most people do, you know, whether gay or straight. <laughs> um, maybe this is a stupid. We're question. hoping it's more expensive. Well, I mean, it's expensive for straight people as I well, just... but it's expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to downplay what you play. What you pay? It is well. And maybe this is a stupid question as far as that goes. Um, yeah. So I, I know this is, I don't know. So do you end up just referring to both of you as dad or is one of you mom? What have you dad? Do you have a different? Yeah. Like, I, you... know, I, I've thought of that. And I mean, I, you know, I haven't discussed it with, with anyone ever before, but I've always wondered. And, and I think like, I would think, you know, maybe one person would go by dad, one person would go by like, like, pop or daddy i don't know maybe like dad maybe i don't you know i don't know i, I think of i think of the different names that you know a, a child is two grandmas and a child usually has two grandpas so don't they usually just you know come up with two different grandparents names i think that would work you know um but yeah i don't i don't know but again with the child question thing i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna have kids yet my sister has beautiful has a, has a beautiful nephew and I'm telling her to have more kids cause she's doing great so far <laughs> taking care of them. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that, that's an unknown question for me, what we call them. And even as a, as a speech language pathologist, I haven't, I haven't dug too deep into those different names. Maybe. And obviously I, I have no clue. Right. But yeah. um, 
but maybe you end up assuming one role or another, you know what I mean? Or, or I guess like a traditional role that one of you ends up being more like the traditional mom and one of you ends up being more like the traditional dad. And would that be out of the question to refer to yourself as mom? Would that be weird? You know, personally, I would say, yeah, I don't think I'd want to go by mom, just like my thing. I do think that there would be more, you know, like either, you know, finding a happy medium of gender sure. roles where, you know, maybe someone will stay home, someone will, you know, um, go to work or something. But yeah, like I like I, maybe maybe we could both go by dad. All I know is I'm going to be the good cop. <laughs> like that's, I, I'm stating you always have I'm the cookies. Stating, it, it is March 29th, 2020, and I'm stating that I'm the good cop, so I can use that in the future. I called it first, Jansen. I called it first. <laughs> I okay, I'm a huge it. pushover. You so. know, it's so interesting. My daughter connects really, really well with me, and my son connects uh-huh. really, really well with Cindy. Um, and I hear that's very common, that all babies, uh-huh. baby boys want to kill dad and marry mom, and all baby girls want daddy to come save them as a princess kind of thing. You know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. that's not 100% true, yeah. but like... Yeah. yeah, it's definitely the case with our kids. Um, and so in uh, in those situations, you know, my wife is the bad cop for our baby girl, and she's the she's the good cop for for our son. You know, I'm always a little bit more stern mm-hmm. him and whatnot. And so, so maybe it'll end up being being both. But I hope you get all. Of the good yeah, look, what happened? Half. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not being a bad cop twice. I don't have the patience. But again, I'm stating that now on a podcast. So yeah. It's written in set in stone. Okay, so let's get into this uh, discrimination thing, right? So I think yes, yes, because I'm I'm very interested to know not just because I know it happens, right? I know bullying happens. Yes, it happens. Um, yes, you know, when I was in high school, right? We were in high school at similar times. It was very yeah. funny for um for straight guys, and I did this too to pretend to be gay guys. So like I do this with my friends, mm-hmm. right? And never never mm-hmm. meant any harm by it. Um, but yeah. we would act gay together, right? Or whatever mm-hmm. we understood as being gay would act like, um, you know what I mean? And so it was, it was very common that we would do that kind of thing. You know, we'd hug each other and, and, uh, in different ways and flirt with each other, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. but I could see that that kind of thing could definitely come off as, uh, as discrimination, um, I know that bullying happened. I know that there there have been some very cruel and harsh things, right? There are heartless people mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, and uh, but I also know that that bullying and discrimination happens for not just other minorities, but just anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being yeah. bullied because I was homeschooled growing up. I remember being bullied for religious affiliations. I remember being bullied because I was fat. Um, I was bullied for all kinds of different things um, at different points in time. Is there something that makes being bullied for your sexual orientation um, different? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Um, my The one response I would have to that is um, my, my one complaint is that a lot of times the, um, the, re- like the reasons why kids like bully LGBTQ, uh-huh. like LGBTQ students is my opinion is because the parents and the teachers aren't doing enough to support them. And there's uh-huh. data to back that up from, um, Glisten, the organization that I, that I volunteer with and that I do, um, trainings with, for example, I have this snapshot of a survey they did in Utah, just to make it at home for you in Utah. Um, they said that, um, 
let's see, 92% of LGBTQ students are gay used in a negative way. Um, most LGBTQ students in Utah experienced anti-LGBTQ victimization at school. Mm-hmm. One third of LGBTQ students in Utah were disciplined for public displays of affection that did not result in similar action for non-LGBTQ students. I mean, we know that LGBTQ students are, are much more likely to, to have suicidal ideations and to complete suicide. And so I think it's hard because, you know, if, in my personal opinion, um, you know, bullying towards, you know, um, for sexism or for racism, for the most part, is is looked down upon. So, I mean, I know that yeah. there are pockets of, of, all, of all that, but I feel like there's still a lot of um, widespread discrimination towards our LGBTQ students in the schools. There are not, you know, LGBTQ inclusive policies in many districts, and that's what we're still fighting for, you know. And, and when I was in in um in junior high you know people would call me um an f word that that ends in f word has three letters and i don't want to say it on this podcast but anyway like they would say that they'd call me r gay and people just tell me to shrug it off and they just took it as like junior high school kids being junior high school kids but that hurt me a lot for sure and that just like really you know really bugs and to know that there isn't that protection for our lgbtq students is just really um really jarring and i mean i also experienced a jansen at the university level really and i wasn't protected at the university level huh you know i my um my roommate um threatened me like not he didn't threaten to kill me but he threatened to hurt me i wasn't even out at the time and i went to tell the mine and they told me he like i should just shrug it off wouldn't let me move rooms i was at university approved housing they wouldn't do anything for sure. That's so crazy. And so think, that was hard. I think this is huge, right? So this is something that I didn't yeah. I didn't understand, right? Because I yeah. I uh I never think that that bullying or discrimination is a good thing, right? Um, yeah. and so I, I think it, it ought to be looked down on unequally, right? If you're sure yeah, I don't know, if you're treating some somebody poorly for any reason, it's still treating them poorly, right? And it's an awful thing, right? Yeah. But I, I understand now, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's not necessarily yeah. that um, bullying or the discrimination is necessarily worse because it's targeted towards people of the LGBTQ community, but it's the reaction when discrimination happens that's the real threat. And that is that there's not much of a reaction, is that it's allowed to happen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and the fear, what I'm seeing in um, in my the the conversations I've had with school officials throughout um, just some a, a small number in the Phoenix area, is that parents are when when schools are trying to you know um, be more inclusive of LGBTQ individuals in um, in their policies. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hear you. Uh, yeah. When they when they when they try and become more inclusive in their policies, parents fight back because they think that the schools are going to become like, I don't know, they feel like their straight kids will be treated differently or something's going to happen. And I, and you know, and I'm just talking about like, you know, sex ed curriculum being inclusive of LGBTQ kids or including LGBTQ history within the schools. Or I was even having a conversation with a social worker um, at a school in the Phoenix area about a month ago. And she said that they don't feel like they could, um, open a, a gay straight alliance at their school because mm. they know that the parents will push back. Mm. 
And so things like that, they can't even get approved for kids to show that, to know that they're safe. So kids are creating their own unofficial gay straight alliances. And crazy. That that's where we're at. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I know, you know, I guess having a lot of traditional values, I know that something that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and not to get too political, but I am curious, yeah. um, is that I know there's a lot of fear, you know, you mentioned that, that, you know, straight kids would then start being treated differently. I think a mm-hmm. big concern is that there, there's going to become hypersensitivity in the sense that, um, you always kind of have to be walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything you say, everything you do, because it might offend someone. And I think, I think that's where a lot of, I guess, I guess that's the, that's the root core issue. The root core Mm -hmm. fear of a lot of people that are afraid of this kind of stuff is that, um, is that they, they fear that there's going to be hypersensitivity and that they're going to become a bad person, um, Mm -hmm. for something very similar, right? Because they see and think differently right or or see and think generally speaking the same as most people right but now they're going to be treated yeah. different for it what would you say to people that have that kind of hypersensitivity fear yeah my my response to that would be really would be a question in return like how are your rights being infringed you know if we're talking about um you know including a section of lgbtq curriculum in the history classes I mean, we study straight people for the entire rest of the school year. How is it bad to spend a month on learning about LGBTQ individuals? Mm. You know, um, and I just the the big message that we push in in um, in, in many of the trainings that I've received and um, on LGBTQ issues, especially in the schools, because again, that's my area of, of interest right now, is by by promoting equality for LGBTQ students. Yeah. We promote equality and safety for everyone. I see what you're saying with that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, and that's the one thing, like, I, I mean, of course, uh, if people are saying, Oh, I feel like I'm going to be walking on eggshells in all honesty, Jansen, if I could say whatever I wanted, I'd say good because you haven't been for the past, you know, hundreds <laughs> of years and you've done a lot of harm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see like so. That, let's let's sure. walk on. Let's let's walk a little bit. Like I've had to walk on eggshells in a street in a street society my entire life. Yeah. So right now we're working on making sure that that the gay community has protections, yeah. right? Which makes sense. Yeah. I think you know. I think that's very important. Yeah. Um, but do you see that that maybe will build in a lot of protections? Um, and you know, maybe we include gay history mm-hmm. in you know, classes and things like mm-hmm. that. It becomes part of the curriculum. It becomes part of sex ed yeah. and whatnot, or, or maturation yeah. class and whatnot. And then do you see it kind of relaxing where it really, because in my mind and, and what I've yeah. heard is that really the hope is that it, it doesn't become a big deal, that yeah. it, it becomes kind of just like an everybody else, you know what I mean? And that it's not looked in any different way, looked at as, as being different. Do you see it relaxing in the future and maybe it just doesn't matter quite as much. Like, is that something you hope for? Or yeah. What do you see happening? Yes, it's something that I hope for, and it's something that um, I continue to advocate for. But you know, it's it's so frustrating when we get pushback on things like incorporating LGBTQ history in the schools and and working on anti discrimination policies at the school level to include LGBTQ kids. And you know, and and the the fact that um, and I, and again. Oh, Jancy, you might want to edit this out if I already stated this. I, you know, I think I did. I think this was before my mic went out. But you know, the fact that these these kids can't even 
you know, get G- gay straight alliances in their school programs, that right. there aren't protections for, for trans individuals. The fact that parents are fighting against that shows the amount of work that we still have to do. I hope that there's a sense of normalcy. I hope that, you know, one day we can be in a society where a child can, I, you know, identify as, as trans and, and be, you know, be able to go by their preferred pronouns and that parents won't fight against that, that, that there will be this level of acceptance and that, you know, we'll just, we'll do our best to, to support these kids. And I know that that's gray area. I know that there are so many questions that arise along with adolescence and, you know, especially, um, you know, in this journey, but like we talked about before at the beginning of this podcast, if we have these values of love and if we have these values of trying to support the whole child and help them on this journey, I don't believe that it necessarily involves, you know, restricting them on things such as being able to, um, you know, identify as, as gay or lesbian or, or, you know, using their preferred pronouns and prefer, or not even, sorry, not preferred pronouns, excuse me, just using their pronouns and, you know, going by the name that they, that they want to go by or that they feel like they identify as, you know, I, I hope that yeah. one day we won't be fighting for that. And I hope that one day, you know, there won't be this term equality and that equality will just be, you know, we'll understand what that means and we won't have to be fighting for it. I think that makes sense. And, uh, and so it, it, the eventual goal is that this just becomes kind of everybody's seen as, as equal and, mm-hmm. and their sexual orientation, their pronouns and whatnot, they're all seen as, as equal and nothing, yeah. nothing is different between them. And so, um, I guess that, that there doesn't need to be necessarily specific protections built in because they won't need to be because everything will be considered normal, mm-hmm. that everything will look down, be looked down are looked at equally upon all discrimination, all bullying is still bullying, it's still discrimination, and that you're not, you're not, I guess, I guess viewing those things as differently. Is that my own right track? No, you, yes, you are, you are completely on the right track. And, and it, it still confuses me as to, you know, why there is pushback against LGBTQ history. I mean, I don't, you know, that's, that's still something that boggles my mind, even for people who, don't necessarily support things like, you know, same sex marriage, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, at least having a history on the LGBTQ community, having kids to look up to that are, that were LGBTQ. I didn't have that as a kid. I mean, I had an amazing choir director that I looked up to who's openly gay. And, you know, I still think of him as, as my main, you know, role model of some, of an amazing man who was openly gay. But besides that, I mean, I didn't have anything like that. And I, you know, I've just, I've had to do the research myself and how lucky I would have been in, you know, high school to have, to have options like that. Yeah. I think that makes sense a lot. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you for shedding some light on, on, on that side. Um, yeah, I hate, I hate bullying in general. It's just, it's all bad. It's just blech. Um, to switch gears a little bit. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about this earlier, but, um, something that I, um, I'm curious about, especially in your field of work, you know, being a speech language pathologist and in that field of communication is how gay men talk. It's very common that they have kind of a different speech inflection. And, um, you know, you even mentioned that, you know, things like hand gestures Mm -hmm. and the way you carry yourself is different. Um, do you know, do you know where that comes from? Is that something that just 
I mean, I assume it happens very naturally yeah. and, and whatnot. Do you know why it happens? Yeah, let me let me explain it from my um my background as a um almost speech language pathologist. My goodness, I graduate May 15th. Um, which has been a long time coming. But um just so listeners know a little bit more in depth, I um one of my my specialties is with um gender diverse voice and communication. So I um have been working with um, a few clients who um, who identifies trans. One client has um, is trans female. One client is trans male, and um, and we work on different things, including pitch. So you know, raising your pitch if you're trans female, to lowering your pitch if if that's what you desire. Um, or there are things like intonation, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is kind of like that that rhythm, that that prosody, the up and down, and all of that. Um, we work on resonance, which is th- those vibrations either in in your mouth or in your chest when you talk, and those differ from from males to females. And we even look at nonverbal communication. So that's that's my background, very very brief um, with the transgender voice, or awesome. yeah, gender diverse voice um, community, but. Cause I, I don't work primarily, like I, I don't only work with transgender individuals, but you know, non-binary, those who want more of a gender neutral voice are, are able to go, um, are able to, to receive services under, um, a speech language pathologist as well. But, um, so anyway, going back to that with, with gay men, and I think we're referring to particularly, um, effeminate or feminine gay men, because, you know, there are gay men who, who don't have any of this. There are gay men who are more masculine. There are gay men who, who past quote unquote um um as straight so you know but i'm sure um sometimes we can have in our mind even with me some people here you know my feminine intonation i had a high-pitched voice as a kid um but i definitely maybe have like that gay lisp guys um like that that people can can attribute to to gay men but let's let's first talk about intonation um if um if you were to record a um a a female's voice, a, a cisgender female's voice, so someone who's born a woman, if you were to take your wife's voice and have her recorded and put it on on some computer software um, that I work with, you would see that that women, their intonation, um, in between words, their voice doesn't drop off as much. It kind of like stays more lighter. And then there's like a subtle drop off at the end. So it's like, hi, my name is you know, I don't know. I didn't even think of a name, but hi, my name is RJ. And you just like, they kind of stay in that high pitched area and don't really drop off much. And then even at the end of their phrase, it's a slight drop yeah. off. Whereas with, with men, you see more of like, it's kind of more like, like separated by words, right? Like, and this is very stereo, like I'm, I'm generalizing and it's kind of stereotypical, but it's like, hi, my name is RJ. And you just hear that. Hi, like that. Stop. My name is RJ. And then you like drop off at the at the end of that phrase. And so with these feminine men, what, what I, what I am assuming that people think of is, you know, maybe they take on that feminine intonation. Like I just did. I mean, I just had an inflection yeah. right there. Maybe they take on like, you know, we even males and females, we, we emphasize different, different parts of sentences, you know, and, and we, we have different yeah. phrases that we use. I mean, men, it's like, what do you say when you say hi to another guy? Maybe you're like, sup, you know, whereas like with the female, you're like, oh my gosh, like, how are you? How are I like right now? I'm like, Hey, oh my God, so much right. to tell you, right? Like we've completely different, different vocabulary. And so, um, even right now I'm in a high pitch voice because I'm getting so excited and like, there we go. And so with, um, you know, what, what yeah. I would say is, 
to to relate this to 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 non gay gay males when when we get together with a group of people we adopt their mannerisms we adopt their um subconsciously we'll adopt their intonation we'll 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 sure. adopt their like even with people who speak, you know, I would say, you know, I have friends who live in the United Kingdom. Sometimes I'll find myself speaking in British accents. I don't know why. It probably sounds horrible. But, you know, like we, we adopt so many different things to to connect with people and to be with people that we are comfortable with. And so, you know, yeah. a lot of these feminine gay men, effeminate gay men, they hang out with their girlfriends all the time. They feel more comfortable being more feminine. And this is what, you know, um, that's the best that's the best way that that I would describe it is you know we we adopt people we 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 emulate people that we want to be like and the people that we want to be with yeah. and you know and I feel like um it's I, I do feel like it's kind of jarring for people at times like oh my gosh you know that that guy spoke like a girl or you know I I sometimes like will have this like maybe my S's will be a little bit more articulated. They call it a gay list, but as a speech language pathologist, like that's not a list. Um, it's just like, there's just this little bit more of an S there, but yeah. you know, it just, anyway, I get really excited because I love talking about, about voice and, and intonation, but I mean, that's what happens. It's a part of life. And yeah, anyway, that, no, that, I, I think that makes sense yeah. a lot. So, so if I'm hearing you yeah. right, it's because, you know, effeminate gay men end up, spending a lot of time with women and as they spend time with women, they end up adopting similar mm -hmm. speech patterns and inflections and, and things like that. Is that, am I hearing yes, you right well, on that? that? I mean, that's, that's the best way that I can, that I can describe it for you. Yeah, no, I think that makes tons of sense. I think that's really cool. Um, I think you're right. I think mirroring, mirroring, if I can say that <laughs> right, maybe I need some, I need some help. I got you. no, you're, you're doing good. You're, I've been analyzing uh, the entire time. Nothing, nothing's wrong. I believe it. Dude, you know, <laughs> So Cindy, yeah. my wife has, um, was a speech tech I was telling you yeah. about before. Um, and, uh, and she does it from time to time as well, where she'll, she'll mention, you know, that I have some sort of, whether it's irregularities uh -huh. or, you know, certain, just certain tendencies <laughs> with how I talk and whatnot. And, you know, at least she's yeah. not, at least she's not a therapist, right? Because that would be, that would be another level when she starts like telling me about different, like, I don't know, mental holes yeah. I go into and whatnot. That would be, that would be hard. I, you know? I have a close friend of mine where um, she's she's a therapist, and she'll call me and she'll therapize me over the phone. But then I'll go to her yeah. house and she has a child, and I'll check on her child's milestones for language development. It's the beauty of having friends who are in the, you know, the social services field. My sister's a social worker. I'm sure she therapizes me all the time, and we'll talk right. about it. But you know what? Hey, like. It, it's hard. It's hard when you're engrossed by your work and especially when you're so in love with it, like, like a lot of us are. I mean, which you should yeah. be. I mean, you should enjoy it so much that you're doing it. Yeah. You know, kind of unconsciously. True, but yeah. It would be, it would be difficult for me to be married to a therapist for sure. I would, I would go bonkers or maybe I'd end up loving it. Right. And mm. I would just want her to give me therapy all the time. So, <laughs> you never yeah. know. So I want to open it up a little bit um, because I, I am really interested and, and have been interested in um, in the topic of being gay specifically, okay. but I do want to know how gay okay. being gay fits into kind of the overall um, broader LGBTQ plus community mm -hmm. and where you see yourself fitting. Is it different? I imagine, you know, identifying as pansexual yeah. is going to be different than identifying as homosexual and whatnot. Yeah. Can you, I guess, give me some insight on that and, and, and what, 
that's like yeah honestly i feel very privileged as a gay man especially as a a a white gay man i mean i my last name is spanish and i and i do identify as latino but my dad was adopted so i i i come off as you know i look very white so that that works for me in this sense because even um gay men of color are, are treated differently unfortunately within my community um gays um and and in, in this to this extent i i can't really speak for for lesbians per se because um i just i i don't have a ton of friends who are lesbian and we haven't brought this up in our conversations that much but i yeah. mean you know we like i mean i have we now have queer eye we have love simon like there's so many shows that are coming out that are you know gay affirming and that are you know call me by your name is another good one but you know we have so many things that are gay affirming and and i feel like now it's definitely more um culturally accepted to an extent to be gay i mean it's still it's seen as something cool gay pride events are happening every year and people love it businesses flock to them because they want to be seen as lgbtq affirming and i mean i'm very lucky where um in my school internship that i was at before this whole coronavirus thing happened um i was openly gay to um to my supervisor even at my school i was openly gay like i didn't have to hide it whereas unfortunately for my friends especially who are who are trans I mean, it's, it's not the same for them. I, you know, there, there's still so much more discrimination and and there's so much more unfair treatment in the workplace, in the school environment. Um, you know, bisexuals, I know don't, don't have it easy within the LGBTQ community either. Um, just from the, like I stated before, I mean, the struggle with them is, you know, they can pass as straight, they can, they can marry someone straight and, you know, they don't, necessarily yeah. experience those discriminations to an extent even though like they're discriminated within our own community but you know are they is that is that something that happens that bisexual people end up getting discriminated in within our own lgbtq community yeah unfortunately really? yeah i've i've heard stories and and it's it's heartbreaking for me um because i i think that um gay individuals get get frustrated that you know maybe bi bisexual people can you know they can switch they can go from you know dating the same sex dating the opposite sex and maybe they don't experience as much discrimination as we experience but you know i i really i think a lot of my work with um gender diverse individuals within the field of speech pathology comes from my wanting to give back and to speak from um really just to advocate to to, to people within my own community because you know, our voice huh. is so important. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of gender diverse individuals, trans individuals get, get misgendered because, you know, they're unable to get adequate services to get their voice where they want it to be. Some want, you know, some trans women want a masculine voice and good for them. That's great. But, you know, if they don't want to, if they're in, in a profession where, you know, where they need to come where where they want to come off as as female because that's how they identify or you know they they're yeah. struggling with their masculine voice when they're trans male it's you know it's it's empowering for for them to have a voice that's that's congruous with or that's yeah that that aligns with with their gender identity and and voice really isn't um something that's discussed enough i feel like within the transgender community um you know, and so my my work right now within the Phoenix area is to present um, at conferences and to to speak as much as I can on this topic, so that people know that 
where resources are available and just simple tips that they can find just to, to take care of themselves. So yeah, I, I do feel very privileged because especially as a, as a, as a speech language pathologist, we don't have enough transgender speech language pathologists providing these services to, to yeah. transgender individuals, which is heartbreaking. You know, we have, we have great allies and, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad to be, to be able to be openly gay and providing services. But the fact that trans individuals can't give, voice training to other trans individuals because they're you know for some reason they're not in our field is is just really frustrating just shows shows how much work we still have to get done that's interesting so in my mind it was kind of this uh and i don't know why Mm -hmm. it was this way but like i I suppose in my mind i thought of the lgbtq plus community as kind of just i don't know like one big happy family all had you know, very similar values, all saw things very similarly, um, which I know that's kind of a stupid way to look at it. But um, it seems that um, that even inside the community, there are very different views, very different experiences, and, uh, and how you, I guess, are represented mm-hmm. or how you want to be represented is, is a different, um, I guess, a different game, a different path for everybody. And so you're saying that in your field of spe- speech language pathology, uh-huh that you would like to see more representation, not just from people inside the LGBTQ plus community, but from specific areas of that community, because there isn't enough representation for every, I guess, subset of the community. I mean, even in, even in my field of speech language pathology, we're predominantly white, you know? And so the fact Mm. that we're not, um, that we don't have enough representation for, um, you know, people of color, shows the struggle that we're having providing services to to multicultural individuals and so you know i but but i mean you know i digress on that and going back to the lgbtq aspect of it um you know we we are very connected and i you know i'm i don't want it to seem like there's this dis there's a ton of discord within our communities because really we have so much in common and i feel like when i see someone that's gay like we're in or you know lgbtq we're instantly friends i love going to the gay clubs i love going to gay events like everything like i feel like there's this shared compassion for everything we've had to go through you know and like like we're all alive we've we've made it through just tough times and and i feel like that's what brings us together um, I'm just, I'm always Jansen of the mindset that there's, that we can do better, you know? Right. And so and that's, that's where I feel like I can use this platform with this podcast to say, yes, we're doing great. Yes. We're, we're connected, but also like, you know, let's, 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 let's do better. It's, it's not just, um, LGBTQ folk can treat LGBTQ folk better just as much as straights can treat LGBTQ folk better. We're not, we're not perfect. Yeah, and that makes sense. Something that I I love that you've brought up, RJ, during the entire um, this entire conversation is that you've brought up that people are messy, mm-hmm. and that's something that the older I get, the more I realize is that people really are messy, and there's no cookie cutter way to to be human, mm-hmm. you know, and and no cookie cutter way to to do anything really. And I think a level of tolerance, a level of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, is just it's necessary just to be able to function yeah. as a human and inside any community, you know. Um, and I think that's true. That's true no matter what 
I guess, group you're a part of, whether it's a religious group, a uh, the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. if you're your political affiliations, like there just needs to be a level of understanding that like we're all flawed humans. We're all just trying the best we can. And you need to be understanding and and tolerant of that. You know what I mean? So I love that you keep bringing that up and that that's been a, a focus. And I love that you um, have have wanted to show support for other other subsets you know what i mean and 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 whatnot um so just kind of to wrap Mm -hmm. things up and i realized that this could go on forever we could probably talk for hours about this and (laughs) and get into all sorts of weeds Mm -hmm. um but is there anything that i guess you feel is most misunderstood by straight people about the gay community or about being gay anything that you'd like the straight community to know um and that you feel is is important that we haven't covered that you'd like to say? Uh, you know, I thought about this question, not just not just you know in preparation for this interview, but I always think about it as I as I speak to um, straight individuals, <laughs> and and I think yeah. most recently as I've been um, speaking places, what I've been sharing um, with with straight individuals is that. We're, we're similar to you and that I, I think there's, there's a lack right right now, in my honest opinion, there's, there's still a lack of, of people just sitting and talking and learning about others lived experiences. And I know that a lot of times our instinct, our instinctive reaction, like so I've heard straight people say like, well, why, why do I have to sit and talk to you and like, just listen and not say anything when, when you don't sit back and talk to me the same, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they feel like they're not being listened to. And my answer is, honey, I've been listening to straight people for the past 25 years. You know, like I, I, we've lived in your communities. We've been there. We've had to sit through them. So now it's time for you guys to sit and listen to us. And there is a lot of hurt that has been caused by the, by a heteronormative society or a society that's predominantly heterosexual. Maybe you haven't intentionally caused that hurt, but it's been caused. It's there we we have we have messy messy lives that we've had to live but at the same time what i'm stressing is we have that same hope for the future that you should have for any child one of my favorite activities that i did um when i spoke at a, at a small event in local event in phoenix a couple of months ago was i shared pictures of me from um about 3 till 17 and i showed them and what the message was is that i look just like any child but somehow society right. labels me as an enemy, as someone not worthy of equal rights, as all of these things. I mean, even a, like less than a year ago, I was out holding hands with a guy in in Tempe, Arizona, where I live, and someone came up to me, came up to both of us, and said homophobic things, and said really rude things. Okay. I I can't walk out and and feel comfortable all the time holding my boyfriend's hand. I I still get concerned about when I'm going to disclose. Um, you know, my relationship status outside of my school environment. Like there's so many privileges that straight people have that, that LGBTQ folk don't have that you just don't understand until you hear it. And so, you know, if, if there's anything that, that I would hope within this time of quarantine, maybe some hope for the future would be that, you know, we can reach out to people that, that we don't necessarily agree with, that we don't share views with, that we don't understand. Maybe it's Democrats and Republicans, pro-life, pro-choice, you know, anything. And we can just sit and just talk to other 
to the other person and try and learn about learn about their lived experiences, not to tell them they're wrong, not to tell them they should change their perspective, not to be demeaning, but just to say what's difficult. You know, maybe even ask the hard question like, how what have I said to you that has unintentionally caused pain? How could I be better to support you? I mean, this 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 could be life changing. You know, this could be maybe you know, I don't know, this maybe this is me trying to find a reason for why we're in this you know, situation as a world, but this could be something that good that comes of it. And I think that, you know, we, we can all do better and we can all learn from each other. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the one thing I have to say. No, I think that's so important in life in general. You know what I mean? Like you, like you mentioned, whether it's different political views, different religious views, different sexual orientation, like whatever it is, I think, I think it's super important to just be able to learn from one another. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, there's only, in my mind that that can only benefit society and can only benefit you. You know what I mean? Like you're not out any sort of anything Mm -hmm. if you listen, you know? And so I like that. I appreciate it, RJ. I appreciate you talking with me and and sharing all of this. I think it was enlightening for me. There are certainly things that I didn't understand that I feel I at least understand a little bit better now um, because of you. So I appreciate you taking the time um, and talking with me for so long and, and answering all of my questions, even you know, how, how uneducated they were. And they uh, were great. They wait, hold on to the listeners. Jansen did a great job asking questions. He, I'm just going to like, I just want to explain this because I think you did a really great job and I want to explain why there's a sense of cultural humility of, you know, knowing that you may not ask, you know, use when, when people say, Oh, you know, I, I have, when people show that they have good intentions and, 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 you know, even if you don't have the right vocabulary, the fact that you're asking vulnerable questions that you're showing that you don't know everything, I think is so necessary. And, you know, we, we can use it, we can apply this with, with any sort of people, you know, just acknowledging that you don't know everything that you're willing to be corrected sure. is so important and so necessary in today's society. Thank you. Well, thank you, man. <laughs> I appreciate it a lot. You're, you're awesome. I like you a lot. Um, we'll keep in touch for yes. sure. And again, Thanks for all you've done for me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me and RJ on today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found it insightful. If you did, I'd love it if you subscribed to the show. Doing so helps me a lot and it comes at no cost to you. All that happens is you get all of the episodes downloaded to your podcast player of choice automatically. RJ is super involved in the LGBTQ plus community and a full bio of his as well as a link to his blog will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.